This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 196. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, talk about some meatballs, some things the Guardians did over this week in baseball. Talk about Tristan McKenzie. Is he the ace of the Guardians staff now? Talk about Fran Reyes. is definitely not the ace of the Guardians. Anything, lineup, DH, DH, uh, defense, anything. He's been DFA'd, claimed by the Cubs today. I'll talk about that. The Guardians stayed pat at the deadline. What does that mean for them going forward? And how did it happen? How could they possibly have not added anything? We'll just talk about what they've done there. And some more rookie debuts in the last week. They kind of stayed true to their the claim that they were seeing who they had this year by debuting three rookies since the deadline. Hunter Gaddis, Will Benson, Tyler Freeman have all come up and played at least one game. With uh, We'll call them mixed results so far. It's very limited, but <laughs> two of those three have not looked great. But we'll talk about them and how, how they can be effective going forward. And joining me for all that and more, another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm um, great. I got nothing. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're a dream over here, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just over this uh, in baseball bliss land, right? Nothing. Yeah, uh, just uh, having, having a good day. Uh, after this podcast, I might go and watch uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, never seen it before. and uh, You've never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? No. You know what? It's amazing. Um, so the, my, new, my current favorite podcast, not this one, unfortunately, Black Blank Black Check. Black. They're starting to do Stanley Kubrick movies. Uh, you know, they do filmographies of various uh, directors, and they're doing Kubrick. And I realized I've seen most of his movies, except for Barry Lyndon and 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, <laughs> well, there you go. I figure, might as well. What the heck? I got nothing else going on tonight. I mean, yeah. It's so weird that we're in, like, the, I mean, obviously 2001, we're way past it. But we're in the the time where in the past they thought this was the distant future. Because didn't we pass RoboCop a while ago, too? Um, I believe I we're in RoboCop. Place. Maybe this year, and then oh, we, okay. have Termi- we have Termi- we have Terminator Two Judgment Day in about seven <laughs> years. Soon. So, yeah. no, George Jensen was born this year. Um, the Back to the Future Day was like half a decade ago. That was, yeah, that was crazy. last year, I think. Oh no, was that only twenty? No, that was that was a long time ago. He okay, went. Yeah. he went forward to like twenty fifteen. That's right. Okay, yeah, twenty fifteen passed already. So we really got to get some new future movies that are a bit more. Um, and then you watch like older ones, even like. Uh, like Soylent Green, like you know, that was like 1996 or something like that, or uh, the far distant future. You know, um, I mean, the fu- the fun one is, and you know, people make comments about this after um, after Donald Trump revealed his idea for for fixing the homeless population, moving them all out to camps outside of cities. Was we have the um, so the whatever riots of 2024 from Star Trek um, Deep Space Nine, which triggered everything else going on there. So you know, we have a Got a lot of cool stuff going on. I think the 2020 just sounded futuristic in 50 years ago. It, it does. It's hey, yeah, honestly, it still, it does. still it does. It still feels like the future. Yeah. Like when we talk about 2030, I'm like, that's forever from now. That's, that's, <laughs> We're never going to get there. It's impossible. It's in the impossible future of wonder. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know what uh, else is impossible and wonderful, Mary? I do. It's meatballs. meatballs. It doesn't work when you say you know. You're supposed to, it's supposed to catch you by surprise. But yeah, this is our meatball section where, of course, we talk about. Um, just drilling down specific things the Guardians did over the last week. Uh, mine this week is Ahmed Rosario. I feel like I owe him one after so long, uh, mm. basically treating him as a guy who's going to be here and then immediately gone at the first chance. But he's not. He's here. He sticks around. Uh, I think it's good. I think he's played a lot better recently. And he's, I mean, we talked about last week proving to be a clubhouse guy and 
he deserves to stick around. And he also beat the piss out of a baseball this week, so that's also fun. He hit a slider off the D-backs on Wednesday, 450 feet, the longest of his career. Um, straightaway center field, it was very Jim Tomey-esque where that ball went. <laughs> There's a lot of Jim Tomey home runs that disappeared in the bushes back there in progressive field. Um, that was the longest of his career, longest of this year, obviously, but barely the longest of this year. He also hit one 447 feet off Austin Gomer in June. I didn't realize that apparently Ahmed Rosario once in a while will crush the shit out of a baseball. And he's done it. I, one other thing that just kind of came up trying to find his, his hardest hit balls. There's nothing remarkable about the speed that he hits. Usually he's around like 110 is his hardest, but seven of his 12 hardest hit balls have been off sliders. I thought that was kind of interesting. Most are off the into the dirt, but still, I mean, he hits sliders hard somehow. I don't know if there's just, he's better at timing those up than other things, or it's just pure coincidence over one year. But, a lot of times this year he's hit sliders. That the one that went 450 was a slider off a rookie pitcher, but he crushed that one. Um, I'm Rosario, just like Andres Jimenez before him when I doubted him forever. I feel like I owe Rosario for doubting him for so long, and now he's going to stick around at least for this year. And then maybe we'll go back to he needs to be traded in the offseason, depending on how Tyler Freeman does, which we'll talk about later. But um, for now, Ahmed Rosario is is looking really good. It's just it's wild because as you start talking about it, I just going to call up his stats last year he hit 282 321 409 this year he's hitting 286 324 10 and it's just like i don't know i guess we're just prison to the moment a little bit but <laughs> it feels like he's just this all-world player right now and last year okay, then, then you dig even deeper like exit velocity same hard hit rate actually lower this year than last year line drive rate one point higher than last year ground ball rate also higher fly ball rate lower so like again I, this is not to say it's a bad thing having league average hitters is good and I think the thing, you know, we, we, we've pilloried him the most for is his defense, which has been, I mean, literally worlds infinitely better than it was last year. I mean, you can measure, but also like he was a negative influence by defensive uh, wins above replacement last year. He is a full win above replacement uh, just defensively. And they were talking about that even on the, the broadcast. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I, I, he go, he's going to the ground more often this year than he did in the past, which – you can deal with a guy being a slightly above league, like a you know a guy with a seven thirty OPS at shortstop if he's good defensively. And his issue was he was not because he just I guess he didn't want to get dirty or whatever. I would hope um, that wasn't it. And then he's funny. He's like, no, dirty. no, no, no. I, I like to look sharp out here. I I, I, call, I oil my beard every day. If I get dirt in there, it just sticks. It's it's a real hassle. Um, <laughs> but but they were they they were talking about that. The um, Sarbaugh has, has talked to him about laying out for, for plays more And he has had a few spectacular plays. Now I will say uh, the Cleveland, uh, like the, the guardians Twitter account uh, tweeted out like Ahmed Rosario best shortstop in baseball. And it was like, no, I just moved on <laughs> no, no, no. but he is, I, I will admit, you know, like you, I, I have, I've said some less than complimentary things about him and his gloves were rock hand Rosario. Was I believe actually stone Rosario. hands, which was stupid. Obviously, that's why we have editors in this world. You got to have the alliteration of rock hands Rosario. There you go. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, he's been great. Uh, I I will agree with some comments I've seen on Twitter about. I don't think he's a. You know what he is? Is he is such like a 1969 type of number two hitter, right? Low yeah. walk, high contact, a lot of speed, kind of a guy. Like you get him, like you, you get your leadoff guy on, and he, he, you get a hit and run situation going on before your your sluggers come up. But like he's someone good. I mean, he's by by again. You know, we, we I know we all hate to cite uh, wins above replacement in, in the middle of the season, but he is third on the team in that exact statistic, and their fifth best hitter at this point. 
No, oh, that's sixth best. Actually, yeah, that's feels me. If he's your sixth best hitter, I feel pretty good about things. Yeah. So I didn't realize until you said it how how purely similar he is to Lashley. Like his slash is exactly the same. Even beyond <laughs> that, man, like, really the only difference, I guess. That's... All the stats, like home run rate, walk rates, actually lower, but so is his strikeout rate. So I don't know. But yeah, he's he's mashed a few of them this year, and I think this like he's exactly the type of player you hold on to. If they're going to hold on to him, I would be okay with them holding on to him, even if they could somehow get him through 2024. Because then you'd have the you'd get the absolute best out of him. Because he's going to like his you know speed being what it is, and even before this, I know we were talking about um, the Trey Turner trade and how that still pissed me off with the Nationals. How I, I assume their rationale was, oh, he's a speed first guy that'll fall off, and he's hitting like 340 with the. Uh, with the Dodgers and just mashing home runs and stuff. And it's just purely excellent in every single uh, facet of the game. But Rosario being such a speed guy um, as, as his number one thing, I suppose, that's, that's definitely going to tail off as he gets older. If they could keep him, I mean, they, they have him through his age 27 season. Assuming they don't trade him this offseason, which considering the log jam that we are still dealing with in the minors and in the middle infield and all these guys being, who just got promoted? Oh, he's, a, he's an outfielder. Never mind. Valeria just got promoted. But they have all these other young guys coming up who play in the middle infield, including who we're going to talk about in a few minutes um, with Freeman and some other guys who are, who are kind of knocking on the door. I think it makes the most sense kind of at this point, hold on to him through next year, just kind of let him walk, and which I'd be completely fine with, honestly. Um, I, I don't think even if you trade him in the offseason, you're going to get any big thing back. And the fact that they have, what, nine guys now in the in MLB's top 100 prospects, which is more than I think the entire AL Central combined, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, it's it's truly wild. Uh, the the bevy of riches they have, and assuming two of those guys hit, I'm assuming that that'll be the number we get. And then some of these other guys who are just gonna be fun surprises. But yeah, he hit dingers hard, and um, he hit him very hard. So right now that? we're getting the best out of him. Yeah. Yeah. What's your meatball this week? We're gonna get esoteric again, as with all my oh. meatballs. Um, <laughs> Justin McKenzie <laughs> had a great start against the Astros on Sunday. Back. So I'm going to I'm going to pick a year, and it's not arbitrary. It's the first year they had a winning season uh, as they rebuilt. So 2015. This is the according to um, Stathead slash Baseball References game score, which is a stat we like to cite. I think it's a pretty good uh, rough descriptor of how well someone pitched. It is literally the tenth best pitched game against the uh, Astros since 2015. Not only that, it's the best non-complete game pitched against the, against them. Since 2015. I mean, he absolutely killed him. Two hits, eight strikeouts. Um, I don't know, man. One walk. What, literally three base runners against what is the best offensive team in baseball, or at least the American League, and probably in baseball. I don't know. I, I know. I think he lucked out a little bit. Did you, did Alvarez hit that day or play that day? I'll look right now. He pinched. But, hit, or Jordan Alvarez, I think, did. But Jose he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, the fact that the, he, he held Jordan Alvarez to an 0 for 3, which... If you go back and watch the game, he got a little bit lucky. <laughs> Alvarez did tee off in a few of those. But, like, I don't know, man. I, and, you know, he only had to face Kyle Tucker once. He only had to face Altuve once. But everyone else was in there. Bregman was in there. Mancini was in there. Pena was in there. Uh, McCormick was in there even. You know, they still had some guys in there. And he just silenced them. And this is not a rare thing. I think, I don't know if it was you or whoever was running the account at, um, when they mentioned it, but He's had several starts like this against great offensive teams, and a lot of his, some of his luck based, obviously, because he's given up some fly balls that don't go over the fence, and balls hit right at hitters or at, or at fielders rather. But he was just so good on 
what was that Sunday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, that was the Sunday one, yeah. That was he was just so good on Sunday, and it's like every time I watch him, I'm baffled by it because, like, like with everyone else on the staff, he doesn't have like any one thing, and he's a three pitch pitcher ostensibly, but he continues to just be good. I think he'll probably finish the, the season with like a three with an ERA under three thirty. Yeah. Um, remember, if he does that over 160 innings too, he gets a Rolex from Marcus Stroman. That was before the season. Um, Stroman tweeted at him, "If you get, I think it was like a three seven ERA and so many innings, I'll buy you a Rolex." And now he's he's on. He track is getting that. that Rolex. Like, <laughs> he is absolutely at this point, getting that Rolex. His next actually his next start's going to be against Toronto. Damn, yeah. it's going to be he get he get he get a Tigers one in there or something like that. Toronto in Rogers, I guess it's in Toronto too, which is a, kind of a bummer. But he's been great. I don't know. It's just it's um near as many strikeouts as walks or as innings pitched. His ability to suppress hits at this point is not a thi- like. Do you remember? Um, it was in like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. A big deal was made with oh, what was his name? Oh, Matt. He was a pitcher on the on the Giants. This is gonna bug the crap out of me now. I can't remember his name. Matt Moore. No, the big meatball-looking one. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> Matt Kane? Matt Kane. Matt Kane had this pre- – yes, thank you. He had this preternatural ability to, like, suppress hits for – or home runs, rather, for, like, six or so years. Like, he just wouldn't give up home runs. And, um, you know, eventually things – you know, the worm turned and he got beat up a little bit. <laughs> you know, he got old. It, 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 it happens yeah, yeah. to the best of us. But but I don't know, McKenzie's ability to just suppress hits is wild. Like six point two hits per nine is like Cy Young Kershaw level of hits per nine sort of a thing. And uh, I don't know what's doing it, but he's doing it. So, you know, you have one ninety four over over two hundred and eighty one innings pitched, one ninety four average against him. So, you know, luck is important sometimes. Better be lucky than good. So one thing I liked about that game too against the Astros was um, there were so many ground outs he got, which isn't something he usually does. He has like a 32% ground ball rate, which is not very high. <laughs> he's definitely a fly ball pitcher, which I think comes along with not having dominating stuff. Like he's not getting a bunch of stuff low in the zone and getting ground balls, but um, he got a bunch of that game. He's on pace for a Maddox at one point. He was super close by the end, if not still on pace by the time the game was over. I can't remember, but yeah, he was really close to it. And then the, the I think the tweet you're thinking of was when I said that there were two games where he had seven or more innings and a shutout, I think it was. And the other one was yeah. against the Yankees when he allowed one hit and seven strikeouts. He's had, like he, he's had three of them now. One against the Tigers and then one against the other, the two best right, teams yeah. in the American League, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the three, if you include the, the great Tigers, which of course. Well, you know, I mean, they, they're finished rebuilding, as we were talk, discussing earlier. You know, <laughs> I mean, totally the, re, the rebuild is over, baby. <laughs> this is this is the Tigers unleashed. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was impressive to see McKenzie like that. They even joked on the, the broadcast because it's. It was the guy from the White Sox um, that everybody loves, Jason Benetti, I think is his name. Oh, yeah. Um, Chris, not Chris. Um, Rick Manning was there, and it just sounded so out of place, not with Matt Underwood. And then some third guy, I think it was an Astros announcer. It was hearing Rick Manning, complete aside, but hearing Rick Manning just in another broadcast is so weird. But um, they were joking that he was telling, they, didn't you tell us he was a fly ball pitcher or something? Because he just got so many ground outs in a row against the Astros. It was it was insane how, how he did that. Mm-hmm. But, That'd be something I think if he can shift to that somehow, unless it was just pure coincidence. Like if he's also getting ground balls and not walking a ton of people, he's going to be uh, just I think, like you said, an, an amazing pitcher. The, the rate he's going, which leads us into the, the next topic we already had playing was just is he is he the ace of the staff at this point? I mean, he's had these great games in a row. Um, I mean, he had a couple of rough ones against the Diamondbacks and mm-hmm. Red Sox, but 
He's had a bunch. Does, um, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, the, you had that streak in July where it was just three shutouts in a row and looked completely dominant, one against the White Sox, um, one run in five innings. So, I mean, see the one, I don't think it's, I, I guess maybe it could still be Shane Bieber. He's still be, been pretty good, but it's not Zach Plezak. It's not Aaron Savale. It's not Cal Quantrill. So is it Tristan McKenzie at this point? That's a great question. And it was, honestly, after I mentioned it to you in planning for this podcast, I was thinking no, about it, it was all, all day. My idea. It was, it was uh, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging my great question. Um, well, so I'm thinking back even, um, it was the second to last year that Bauer was on the team. I think it was 20, it must have been 2018, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and like, he was better statistically in basically every measure. That's the year I like, think he broke his wrist. I suppose. Yeah, because he was in Cyan contention that year, and then he broke his – he got a, the batted ball off his arm. Um, he was better in every in every statistic than Corey Kluber, but I don't think there was a single moment of that year where I would say – and the term ace is, you know, nebulous and doesn't really mean every, anything. Like, every team has a quote-unquote ace, and most teams don't have one, right? Like, it's – there was a point there where I feel like Cleveland had – three honestly like it just they just had just many horses i suppose <laughs> i mean it felt like four at one point right um yeah bauer clevenger and carrasco was four aces. but like insane. i i think i think it's it's obviously a big part of it is performance but a part of it is like vibes too right like if i ask you right now who was the ace of the new york yankees the ace of the yankees yeah would you say like, garrett cole well yeah garrett cole there you go yeah he is their third best pitcher by most metrics. Nestor Cortez is their best pitcher right now. That would make um, sense. But yeah, I wouldn't think of him as the ace because you think of Garrett Cole as... Right, exactly. He blows so, up once every three games, but other than that, he's fine. Right. So, so like, I, th- I think part of... I don't know. I think part of the role of an ace is also... I think... Being it's an ace. My, it's, well, it's, it's a leadership aspect, too, right? It's like, it's like putting down the flag and saying, we all have to go here. This is This is the level we need to perform at. And if you don't perform at this level, then you're not as good as me. And I think to some degree, Bieber has been that voice, at least in hearing from interviews and stuff, and obviously he has that Cy Young. I'd still give him the nod, even though, I mean, you, you go down the numbers, and outside of strikeout rate and walk rate, he is worse in every single way than, than McKenzie, right? He's even pitched less innings. Uh, I guess one last, you know, I mean, I think McKenzie pitched a little bit in relief. That's what kind of did that. But, like, I don't know. Um I, I don't think McKenzie has put himself that far ahead, I guess, of uh, Bieber would be on another challenger to the title, putting that, that, that far ahead of of Shane Bieber as far as just output and talent. And you look at things like fielding independent pitching, Bieber is a full run better than him just in terms of advanced metrics. So at this point, in terms of like results metrics, it's a flip of the coin. And I'd still have to give it to Bieber only because of – you still have to factor in a little bit of what's happened in the past, but also – they're so close, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think Bieber still is, is probably the ace of the staff, which it's weird that he has a 3.39 ERA this year, and all we've been talking about is, oh, he's not the same anymore. He's I know. He's I not the same Shane Bieber, but he's still also extremely very good. We just got to remember he's never going to be 2020 when he's – how many of his 12 starts were against the AL Central? So, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the mm-hmm. hardest stretch, but he's, he's not too much worse than, than last year. He's just a different pitcher, and I think it's – I think it's probably still Shane Bieber, but I think Tristan McKenzie can get there. I think he'll probably stick around longer than Bieber if Bieber doesn't sign an extension. So I think it won't be long until Tristan McKenzie is the guy, which which alone is just an amazing thing. I mean, for a while there, we didn't think he would be in the majors at all because he, he had injury issues and he just didn't pitch for 
a little while, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's looked amazing. And I think it's fun just as, as a guy, you can't really point to anything that he's dominant about, but he just is, which is, I think a fun thing to have once in a while, like you have in Tristan McKenzie, but it's, I don't, it'll be fun. Like if they make the playoffs, like but Bieber McKenzie, I guess that's it. But <laughs> Bieber McKenzie. Well, Quantro, I think Quantro is a, yeah, a good, terrible, but. well, I mean, just for how good their, their infield defense has become. And yeah, it's a good one, two for sure. Either way. Like I, Quantro obviously is a total throwback pitcher. Um, in, in terms of just being a ground ball heavy guy, like we don't see many of those. But in he's got this era, this year too, his, his ground that? balls are less than uh, than they yeah, have in the true. past, which is weird. But a, a guy like that, even even so, is so useful in the postseason because of how home run happy the postseason gets. By the way, I think it was all of his starts against the AL and NL Central. Uh, talking about Bieber in twenty twenty, so it's just <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like did, his last you two still years, got though, the pitches, you still got to be good. But I mean. That's the thing. I go look at just 21, 2021, 2022, 36 starts. It's still at 329 ERA. Like, he's always that, – that, that is the obvious outlier year, and then everything else is just like, yeah, he's a pretty good pitcher. Like, he just yeah, is a pretty still, good pitcher. Yeah, definitely an, an ace and a really good pitcher, I think, Bieber is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, though. I really don't know if Tristan McKenzie will ever be able to, whether informally or formally, seize that title simply because of what's coming with – like. If uh, Spino oh, sure. is Being the real Spino. deal, like he'll tell you, he's just the guy. Like he's, <laughs> he's immediately the guy. through it. Yeah, <laughs> there, there comes a point where oh, the new guy, he can't be the A's. He throws ninety seven and his, his slider like breaks these. Like oh, all right, never mind then. <laughs> so long then. <laughs> this is your head, sir. You, you're now the ace. Congratulations. Yeah, I think that it's going to be true. I mean, like, that one maybe Gavin, Gavin Williamson comes up and he might be mm-hmm. super good. So I mean, there's going to be a lot of great pitchers coming up again. But and that's, and that's the thing. Um, like McKenzie's still so young. Like and and the, all the guys in the booth. And I I know we've all talked about it. Like he's still just a three pitch pitcher. Um, and it's a you know it's you know, fastball, curve, slider. If he can figure out a changeup, which apparently he does have, he just never throws in game because he's just still trying to figure out what he has. He could be a, an incredibly lethal pitcher. Like you'd be able to get everyone out all the time, and um, just watching him kind of learn and grow. It's a thing that I forgot how much fun it was to see. Um, just thinking back to like the 2013, 2014, 2015 seasons, the growth of a pitcher over time. I think someone like Carrasco is a perfect example of that, and I think his arc is what I, I want out of McKenzie. I suppose is just he gets his chances, he pitches well, he figures out what he's good at, and he continues to do that more and more and more. Uh, Carrasco was great because he had like five pitches at, at his best. But what made him really effective was he realized his slider was an absolute killer. And so he threw that more and more and more. And his fastball is still pretty good. And all that everything else kind of bled off that. But um, I'm excited to watch him grow. Again, 25, he's going to be around for quite a, quite a little while. I like yeah, it. Yeah, he's not until free agent until 2027. So. Yeah, exactly. As long as they and pay like, him, he'll be here at least till then if they don't sign him to an extension. Well, and and I, 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 and honestly, I wouldn't mind if they, sign, if they could figure out a way to keep Bieber around. Like just... You know, for, for even if he's your like a fourth best pitcher, like honestly, if if the if you're three four five once once um you know the guy from the minors hit and you're, you're three four five or Mackenzie Bieber Quantrill, that's pretty good, and I'll take that any day of the week. So oh for sure. Yeah. So another thing happened this week. I don't know if you saw, but uh, what? <laughs> Franmil Reyes has been DFA. I, I think we we talked about him before the deadline as as somebody who might be traded, and we thought that was weird. Like just the feeling of. Might be traded. How about hearing Fred Mill Reyes designated for assignment by the Guardians? What a um, weird thing to see. Wasn't it, it weird? Is, it was, like, <laughs> I can't think of another like player that was so good one year, wasn't injured, and the next year was just bad enough to DFA. And he's he's not expensive. I mean, he's going to hit arbitration, so he'll be paid something. But it's not like he's going to have a huge salary with 
negative war in the, in the arbitration. So, I mean, he wasn't going to be bank busting. I think this was purely just they didn't think it would fit. I don't know what the, the thing is. There was a lot of talk now recently about they want him to lose weight and play the outfield, which, I mean, that I think that's something like – I'm willing to take their their word on that because that'd be kind of something heinous to make up about somebody. That like I get these are um, mindless, soulless corporations, but if if you're just making up that this guy didn't want to do it, that's kind of a weird thing to just make up and and put out there. So I I kind of believe him that he just didn't want to be in the outfield. He just liked yeah. DHing. Maybe that's fine, and maybe that'll work somewhere. And he can be DH on the Cubs who claimed him. But um, the Guardians, as we know, they like versatility. They like. Um, players who are willing to play multiple positions. And if he doesn't want to play any, he doesn't want to get in better shape, which could also maybe help him hit and, and react to pitches better Then maybe it's better. He goes and tries and, and fits on with the Cubs, but I'm, I'm not going to be, this is going to be like Jesus Aguilar for me. If he goes and succeeds somewhere like, okay, they gave him a shot. It didn't work here. It worked there, whatever it's, I get it. But um, yeah, he's, he was just claimed by the Cubs today and he was DFA'd uh, last week. And it feels weird. It was just, it was just an abrupt cut bait. And it's just a thing you don't see. Just seeing the guys that have hung around over the last many, many yeah. years of this team, it's like, what the hell? Like, but to your That's point, right? Point, like, yeah. like the lack of versatility. I think that something probably happened behind the scenes. Quite honestly, with him just yeah. saying no, I won't do this. But also the emergence of Josh Naylor. I think like his growth. Like, it is really under discussed the, the the leap he has made from year twenty from last year to this, especially considering his you know his horrible injury. Like he's. Literally, just you look at his numbers. Exactly what we were hoping Reyes would be this year, like as far as batting average, on base percentage, and slugging. Like, I don't know if you if you prorated his numbers out to a full season as he is right now, he'd, he'd be a basically a thirty round home run guy. And he walks way, he walks more, and he has better contact rates than Reyes does. So I th- I think the emergence of him combined with just probably something in the back end and a need to. I guess one thing you have to think about, right? Like we talked about, before, we mentioned before how, how strong the farm system is. We, they have all these guys who are, you know, top 100 prospects in one way or another. Not all of them are position players. I think two or three of them are pitchers. But even beyond that, then they have other guys who are not top 100 prospects who have been performing dec- at least decently well. I mean, guys like Oscar Gonzalez or whoever else. Like Nolan Jones obviously was a top, you know, a top prospect. Um, but, and then they, they call, we'll talk about it in a bit, but with Benson and Freeman and everything like that, like, they need to see what they have. Like, I, th- I think part of it is we for- kind of forgot that this is still a bit of a rebuilding year. And uh, just, I don't know. He just, it wasn't working. He his he, he could not, he just can't make contact. Like, we, we, I th- we talked about several times about how when he makes contact, he obliterates the baseball. But he made contact so little. And he just seemed, I don't know whether it was, it was in his own head or he just missed and lost his, a step or something. But and it, just it was just such so a surprising... It's a surprising yeah. cut. I don't know. Just so like un like unceremonious. It's that just a tweet. You know what I mean? Like I know they tweeted someone today. Like thank you for for everything, friend. <laughs> that was Neil. it. Like no context. Just thank you, friend. Like, I don't know. Like and honestly, like for being yeah, honest with you, I was like thank you for what? I don't know. Like he's a nice player to have, but like we we're talking about, I guess three hundred games. All right. It seems like less than that. Honestly, it yeah. seems like he he just got here, but like, it was yeah middle of twenty twenty, obviously. Yeah, well, he's um, middle of uh, 2019, right? Because that was a Trevor Bauer trade. He wasn't the middle of 2019. He was the Bauer one, which was a total failure for everybody. <laughs> I mean, the, the Reds got a Mickey Mouse uh, Cy Young out of it in 2020 um, from Trevor Bauer. But that's about it. Everybody on the Guardians who was acquired was gone. Yasiel, mm-hmm. obviously, half a year. Uh, Scott Moss, Victor Nova, and then now 
Primo Reyes is gone. So that is funny. Told him done well, trade. What a what a what a what a stretched out version of washing your hands of treasure Trevor Bauer that is. <laughs> We're done. We're out of here. We're done with you. Also, we, what, what we need from you is a quick uh, fifty-eight home runs <laughs> and a one hundred seven. And you know what? And I think that's part of it too. Is honestly like he wouldn't play the outfield and. If you have a DH only guy, I'm not saying he has to be Jordan Alvarez, who literally has like a 200 OPS plus. <laughs> but you've got to be a dominant. You can't have a 69 gotta, WRC plus. Right. You well, you don't. You can't have a, a 120 OPS plus. Like that. That's like John Naylor right now is at 130, but he at least is willing to play first and play the outfield. And his batting profile alone speaks to the fact that he's going to get better because he makes contact. He's like an 85% contact rate or something like that, and he hits it hard. So I don't know. I, I always liked Reyes. Um, frustrating player at times because he just would strike out in big moments all the time, it seemed like. But yeah, it seemed I like get he was, it. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that it seemed like he was more – it's hard to – obviously we can't know from out here, but he was more like front and center – on the sideline and in the clubhouse kind of thing in previous years. And this year it kind of like faded to the back with other people coming up. Yeah. Um, like he never just emerged as the, the big clubhouse leader. Like, like in San Diego, like it always seemed like he had fun over there and then he was loud and boisterous. And I think he was here at some points too, but it just kind of faded this year. I think Naylor, again, that's another thing. Naylor just kind of, um, took all the energy, him, but, right? He, yeah. he did all the thing. Like, and you know, even, even you look at last year, 2021, right? You played 115 games. He's got hurt. He was worth 1.6 wins above replacement. I mean, I just I, – I don't feel like your hit-only guy can be effectively a prorated two-win player and and be a value-add, like value I guess. If you have a DH who's doing that, then you just turn the DH into what the – I don't know, like what the, the Rays did with the, de- the designated hitter over a long stretch of years. We're just a place where you, you put position players for a half a day off effectively. And, Which is what they're doing now because they yeah, don't have a basically. Day, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's half nailer because they're just trying to keep him off his feet sometimes. And then it's, you know, half nailer, one-eighth, uh, give Jose a half a day off and then figure it out from there kind of a thing. But And Zach Meisel even said it in an article that the coaches were saying it's a relief to have the open spot to, to shuffle whoever needs to go in there um, on the DH instead of just – because obviously, have all these guys. You need to see what they have to hit. I think that's more valuable than whatever in the world Fran Reyes was. Um, but it was also just kind of weird. They could have left him in AAA. Like he had an option. I I think he has another one. So they could have done it next year, maybe at the very least. They could have done it this year. Like there's got to be something else going on that he just I don't know flat out refused to, to not be a DH and they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And also it at the same time, they released Bobby Bradley, who wasn't even on the forty man. This release. Maybe they're just. They, I don't know. I mean. We talk about that, and then we talk about the guys who they kept around, and maybe there's just a specific type of player they want, and it's not free swinging, high strikeout, low walk guys. Which fair, honestly, uh, even I don't know, like everyone else outside of basically Oscar Gonzalez, the guys, who, the young guys, who, and the, even the guys who are keep sticking around. Some like Owen Miller, who can't hit worth a damn, but he makes a lot of contact, which is why I'm so you know confident that he'll be good. But like. Even, you know, um, Oscar Gonzalez, you look at his batting, you know, his batted ball profile, it, it equates to that of like a, a Tim Anderson kind of an, kind of an, you know, it's 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 going to be luck-based because he can't walk worth a damn. But I don't know, Reyes was just, his profile was not conducive to success because he didn't walk. He never, I mean, he had one year we had an on-base percentage over 2020, which is, again, a weird year. He had on-base percentage over, what, 310, basically, or 320. And I don't know. Um 
It's again, it sucks to see a guy like, a guy who has such amazing tools leave, but he but doesn't also, fit. The other tools are so bad, and they don't. The thing, fit. Yeah, again, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's he's gonna be twenty eight next year, and like, like that is not where this team sees itself. And we can get into this in a bit, but we're, as far as where the window is, um, but I don't know between something we we don't know, but also what we can see with our own eyes. It makes a lot. Of, it honestly makes a lot of sense to have to to, to get rid of a one dimensional guy who that one dimension he's barely above average at. Yeah, if, if he didn't, if he wasn't up, like I guess it kind of goes without saying. If he wasn't good for a couple of years, this would be a no brainer. But the fact that he he showed anything makes us weirder, considering they've had so much trouble finding power headers now they do. But the good news is on September third, you can get his bobblehead. So <laughs> if you're a big fan. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I guess they just cancel it when he's officially on the Cubs. I I, I don't know. But he yeah, has you a send the bobbleheads over, they got to paint them all. That's what's going to happen, yeah. yeah. Up, just change them to Ahmed Rosario. He has a beard. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. And he's uh, a power hitter. Yeah. He hits the balls hard, so make it Ahmed Rosario. Just uh, get one of those little label makers and just poorly put it on over a friend of Ray's. This is Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> there you go. No, no difference. Um, yeah, so as we were saying, just figuring out the window of, of the Guardians and, and what they did and at the trade deadline was pretty much nothing. At the, the final hour, they traded Sandy Leon for a reliever, Ian Hamilton, who... Game changer. I mean, looks like a mixture of Malcolm Moore and Trevor Steffen, and I don't know how he pitches because he's just kind of a guy that's been on the Twins in their minor league system forever. It was basically a nothing burger trade. I, I, I wonder if it was just so they could not be with the, Roy- the Rockies as the only team to not make a trade at the deadline, but... Um, that's all they did. They didn't uh, add. They didn't subtract, uh, which I was uh, kind of okay with. I wasn't expecting them to do much going in. Though the main thing I wanted to do was see what they could get for Zach Plezak if it was something interesting. Yeah. As we saw in his last start, I don't think teams were climbing over themselves to acquire him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they heard some offers from him if they were shopping him. But I think at some point the the scales of what you're willing to take and what he means to the team kind of tipped in the direction of you're not going to get enough for him anyway, so you might as well keep him. It's not like a um, Trey Mancini situation where they got a lot for him. You're not going to get much for um, Rosario. Probably he, he means more to the Guardians than he means to other teams. Right. Yeah. I think it was. And apparently they made multiple offers of Sean Murphy, but the A's just flat out refused to um, trade him. Of course, now it looks like Bo Naylor is just bring him up already. <laughs> He's ridiculous in the minors. He's in the ball so well. So maybe there's another reason they weren't willing to sell the farm for Murphy. Um, but even if they were, they could do it this off season. They could get him for if the A's are willing to trade him. So. They did nothing. I don't know if it was a travesty. I think it's it's annoying that they didn't get anybody. I, I wanted to see. Um, I mean, they're just such a weird spot because they're a young team. This is not supposed to be their team, their year to go for the playoffs, but it's in range. And if it's in range, usually you think you want to go for it, but it's they could also not and still be going for it because they're only a game behind the twins. So it just kind of leaves them in a weird spot going forward, which could end up being good. Or if they lose the playoff race by like one game, this is all we're going to think about is they didn't do anything at the deadline. Is a new guy on the forty-man roster? <laughs> I don't believe so. I think part of it. Honestly, get... that's. Got, I honestly think that move kind of dovetails with the with the um, with the Reyes thing too. Like, I think we don't even think about, but like, because what's his name? Hamilton, right? Yeah, he's not on the forty-man, so no, he's not. They, they need <laughs> so to free the roster clearing spot. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, they just need to free some space up because like the Rule Five drafts coming, and they're going to lose some talent that we're probably going to run into down the road. Um, but they need to keep some guys on the forty-man. And that's why I think why they're calling some guys up as well. But yeah, you know, it sucks they didn't make a move because we've been talking so about how rich the farm system is, and the whole reason you have a farm system is to make your major league team better. And it's I'm surprised that the um, the A's didn't want to make a move. I mean, they're they're years away from convention. Yeah, who knows what the hell they're doing? 
<laughs> I mean, what are they keeping him for? Do they think they like, all, teams are going to suddenly be more desperate for a catcher in December? I that that's that's the thing. Like, there's certain position. I mean, honestly, any position. I would say that starting pitching and starting pitching, relief pitching, and then like key defensive positions like that that I also hit are the things that really can draw in just so much value in, yeah. at, at the trade deadline. Because teams are going to uh, be desperate, and you're like, this is another. All you're basically trading for is, is a playoff run, and you're taking away one playoff run by not dealing with the deadline. I don't know. It's so weird to not trade on the A's perspective. I mean, at the same time, we don't know what was offered, so maybe it was just it was just a, a, a low ball offer. They, they, they kind of just like, hey, you guys want this for him? No, fuck off. Okay, well, never mind then. I'll see you later. I don't know, and and I hope it's not a case of just Cleveland falling too much in love with his prospects um, and with its own kind of process of building of building young players because. You know, we've seen a few of them come up. Have they been world beaters? No. I will say that we've been having a nice little injection of a new young guy show up and kind of tear it up a little bit over the last, basically all year. Uh, how that will work out over, you know, over the long haul, I don't know. But especially because now you have all these young guys you can't find playing time with Brennan and uh, Benson, rather, and Freeman and Gonzalez and Jones. And, I mean, you can like, count four guys right there. Deals. He doesn't have the playing time and there's too many outfielders. Yeah, exactly, and, and and like two of this, at least what? Well, you're not going to not play Quan. I guess you could figure out if Straw is a fourth outfielder. Um, Reyes is playing every day. Rosario is figured it out every day. Jimenez is playing every day, and then what? Are you going to first base slash DH guys who aren't Owen Miller? Like I don't know. I'd love to. I would. I I would love to see all these young guys playing all the time. Jones and Freeman and Bench, just to see what they actually are. But at the same time, like you said, they're in contention. Like they're they're chasing something down. What that might be, I don't know. They, they could be they could be in first place by the end of this week. Um, will they be? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> just yeah, the, the Guardians don't have a hard schedule. It's the the Tigers and then whatever parts of the team go to Toronto and play against the Blue Jays while the Twins play the Dodgers and whoever else they play. But I don't know. I, I, I I'm sad they didn't make some kind of move because they could definitely use. I mean, and they're not going to trade for a starting pitcher. Um, they could probably use another relief pitcher. I know they're. I, I'm, I'm. I like their bullpen. All right, Class A, Morgan, Stefan, Henches, and De Los Santos, and even Sandlin. Like I'm. I'm happy with all these guys. You know, um, Karen Check has, has has come back and been great. Um, and then you have Brian Shaw, who's also alive, which is you know good for him. <laughs> Brian Shaw that. does exist. The bullpen is so much better. They stop using him so often. It's the the worst thing. Like they have they have better relievers, and if they use Brian Shaw less, that's just. You're upgrading your bullpen there. You don't even need another reliever. You just need to not use Brian Shaw yeah. every damn game. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I wish they had done something. But I, I don't know what the, outside of Murphy. I don't know what else that would have been because, and like you said with um, with Bo Naylor, like maybe they just don't want to block him either. Like they, they, they tested the waters. It didn't work out. So they're like, oh, screw it. Then we'll move on with our day. Um, what the plan is for this year? I don't know. I what. I'll probably be a little upset if they miss the playoffs by a game or two, but knowing, I guess, and I really hate like talking myself into that whole mindset of like, well, the team knows best and they're doing all the right moves. and They're going to be long-term successful. And, and my, at the same time, I'm like, you know what I like? October baseball and championships. I've got some of that the last decade and none of the other ones. So um, please give me some of that. I just want to watch baseball that I care about in October. I being, being a, you know, however you get there, just do it, damn it. That's all I want. Yeah, just, just, just get, get, you know, and, and you know what? And, and win one game, even. or win one series, or, you know, then, but then I get sad. That's the issue, because then they won't win this championship, and I get extra sad. So, you know, it's it's a real battle of emotions. I, I Again, I wish they had gotten Murphy. I think that would have been such, it, it's, it'd be, it's, 
It's like the Padres trading away uh, uh, Hosmer. Not only are you getting rid of something that's dragging your team down, you're making that exact same position so much better. Um, <laughs> oh, that whole saga was awesome. Eric Hosmer was truly incredible. the only man in baseball that anybody cared about for a solid two hours. <laughs> I matter. Uh, and no, then you it don't didn't get matter anyway because they just threw in Luke Voigt, so it didn't really yeah. matter. But Which, again, great addition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I was Eric Hosmer, for what it's worth, like I would have done that. I'm not yeah, going to voluntarily uh, go to the Nationals. No, that team stinks, and it's hot here. It's awful here in the summer. Like, I would want (laughs) to play here. (laughs) That's why they paid him, um, presumably, less money, so he could have a no-trade clause. So good for you. Yeah, exactly. I I hate you in baseball, but good for you. Yeah, whatever. His leadership qualities, though, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Et cetera, whatever is that, you do it. Uh, But yeah, the whole thing with me with the the trade line is like, I, I wish they would have done something, but if you ask me specifically what, I have no idea. Because other than Sean Murphy, um, I guess, like, who was the other pitcher? Uh, Maley from the Reds, which I don't care. I guess uh, starting Brian Shaw and um, Hunter Gaddis, who was a train wreck. It does not look great after not trading for a starting pitcher, but also... I, listen, I liked what I saw out of Gaddis. I think... <laughs> that changeup is I think something in a good. different way, he's going to be effective the way McKenzie is. Just because the way the like, he's so huge and he has that high release point and he throws it. He's got a decently hard fastball, and you mentioned the changeup and some other good stuff. Too. Like he threw a couple curveballs that looked nice. His slider is okay. Um, I think there's something there, and I, it's not there now, obviously. But I, I wish they hadn't sent it back down. I was kind of hoping they could just. Who else are going to roll out there every five days? Savali's in the DL. No more Pillickington. Well, Savali's no coming more. back. And then I guess it's going to be Shaw as your fifth starter again. <laughs> Please, just get, just put just put Hunter Gaddis out there. It's, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I mean, they started the poor guy against the Astros, so it wasn't exactly. like a, an Literally the best offensive. Like, oh no, he did bad. Everyone else does bad, except like, so did who, who started on Friday, right? Like, so did the whoever started or Saturday, whatever it was. Yeah. It's, it's, and I don't think he's, he's only 24. Obviously, his first start. I think he can still be good. I think that when you have a change up like that, I think you're going to be okay. Even if at some point he goes to the bullpen and he's like another Eli Morgan. Uh, I think Hunter Gaddis probably has too many good pitches to be shoved in the bullpen. I think Morgan I, is, I, I think he's going to be, like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it was Plezak who got bombed on Friday. So, like, <laughs> yeah. he, here's the line. Would he, do I think he'll be better than Zach Plezak in the long run? Yes. Do I think he'll be better than Cal Quantrill? Yeah, you know what? I do think he'll be better than Cal Quantrill. All right, I think that if you give him a full season of uh, – uh, if you gave him a start every five games the rest of the season, I think he'd have an ERA in the low fours, and I think we'd be interested to see what's gonna tr- how it's going to turn out. Like, what is it, 3.1 innings against the best offense in baseball in your first ever start? At least give him one more and figure out – Like, give it. him one more. Give him one against the Tigers. Figure out, and then, and then you figure out where the middle ground is. Best, worst? Okay, well, he's probably right here then. Yeah, all right. If yeah. he's terrible again, then maybe you just got to shuffle my triple exactly. But if not, like, he's he's pretty good against a terrible team. So he's building. There's there's somewhere to go from that. I, I don't know. But I feel again, bad that. Like, like with all these other young guys, he's just a huge dude, and we just need more yeah. of these guys. <laughs> I want to see that beard and hair in August and September when it's a million degrees and he's just oh, sweating. So he's Cody wet. Allen again. Oh, he'll be dumping water <laughs> on his head, like in between uh, innings, just dripping. <laughs> That'd be it's going to be amazing because I, every, I think pit, every pitch is a, just a, surrounded by a spray of water. The the, the, the umpire's like, stop doing that so much; it's distracting. He's like. 
I'm too hot. You want me to die? Sorry, I got, I got to stay cool out this here. This is the exact monotone too. <laughs> do you want me to die? What do you want me to die? <laughs> Where are you from, uh, uh, Georgia? <laughs> but yeah, I think I'll be back. I think that that changeup is, is is too damn good. No. Oh yeah, and again, the fastball is strong, and, and like everything about him, just like his his kind of twelve o'clock delivery. Like I think it's just so vicious. Like the ball's coming at you from like seven and a half feet up. Interesting pitches. And there was a reason they wanted to give him a chance out there. So, looking at his numbers as I see them as a major league pitcher, I'm ignoring them immediately. Looking at the minors again, I mean, again, you know, I mean, it's not like he was amazing in the minors or anything like that. But I, I there, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of tools there, and I think we, they can build off that, and it can be an effective, even a front line, but you know, mid rotation starter. I think we saw a lot of tools um, that were not on full display with some rookies this week. I guess Hunter Gaddis. That's we know what he is now. We don't know, but we've seen and I love him. him. Um, we Will know he's great. Has come up and uh, not been great. He had six plate appearances, one walk, six strikeouts, uh, no hits. He has looked utterly overmatched. Scored a run, a game-winning run. He did – was it a run? Oh, because he was a ghost runner on second, right? Yeah, yeah. That was his first game too, yeah. What, what optimism and hope we had in the first game. It was wonderful. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't looked good. He has he's had a couple starts, and he's, he's looked bad in all of them, but – but again, like it's just kind of if there's any year to let him figure it out and try it and let's see some more pitches, I guess this is probably it. I don't know. I, I'm surprised he's even in the majors. Honestly, there was a while he kind of stumbled there, and I wasn't sure he he's he was drafted 2016, and he's just now making it. And I'm, I'm happy for him, and I hope he succeeds. But it has been a rough start for Benson, especially compared to some other rookies the Guardians have had this year. I mean, what are you gonna do? You know, like he, he hasn't got any consistent starts, and he's just kind of thrown in there and. I don't know. I think of all the young guys we've seen this year, his is the hardest one to read because someone like Gaddis, it's just you see things even though he's getting, you know, pounded. Um, Gonzalez, like, I'm getting a good sense of who and what he is as a player. Jones, same idea. I just, I don't know what to think about Benson because he's, again, we're talking about 11 at-bats over six games, and like four of those came in one game, so... Yeah, he'll probably do bad, and also they were against good pitching. So you know, I, I I like I want to do good as well. He's a he's a he's a big dude, and I think he could be good. But we're gonna run. I think we're gonna run into this problem over and over, dude. Where it's just there's not enough plate appearances to go around, and he's just I don't know. I don't I don't know what to do about it because you know again, ten of his plate appearances came against the Astros. Yeah, four yeah. of those came against, or three of those came against Justin Verlander. So what <laughs> yeah, the hell was his first here? his first start was against Justin Verlander. Like, yeah, he said, "Hey, here you go, idiot." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good fucking luck. Kick him out the door. <laughs> Again, give him a chance against the Tigers. We got to get a range here. We got to get a gauge. That's what I'm saying. We, yeah, we we got to figure out where like, if, we, if we get the two the, the two pole you know the the two poles and we yeah, figure out the science. Middle. This is how it works. Yeah, we're doing science, everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's also worth. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. I mean, I, I think he could still be good. Like, it's just it's hard to know because it, baseball is not a how how good are you over eleven at bats in six <laughs> games? It's how good were you over you know years, seventy at bats in in twenty five games, and then how good were you over four hundred at bats in a hundred games or whatever it is? And I don't know. Um, he didn't hit the ball really hard, but he didn't not either. So. I mean, did kind of not hit it a few times because it's gotten half as it bats. But I will say this: his hard hit rate at forty percent, uh, it's higher than average. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> well, the opposite of him in a debut. I, I guess not opposite because it's not like Tyler Freeman has looked amazing. Uh, two hits and eleven plate appearances is not bad, but he's also walked 
Uh, how many times is it already? It's only two, but yeah, he's got on base quite a bit. Um, he's that's more, an eighteen percent walk composed, rate. I think is what it is. He, he, he seems, yeah, he looks more composed. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think just his approach in general lends himself to a, a more nice seeming, at least start yeah. right. He's, he's very Stephen Kwan esque. His right, exactly. Way, I think the way he goes about a plate appearance and the way his his minor numbers have looked, he's very. Stephen Kwanzi, which I think is what the Guardians are looking for right now. They need, obviously, power hitters, too, because you kind of have to, but they want more guys like Tyler Freeman and Stephen Kwan to come up. And, yeah, I think he's... I, I like him already in the short stint better than Gabriel Arias compared to, like, what I've seen with Arias in AAA and the very brief time he had in the majors. Like, I'm, I'm on board with Freeman being the starting either shortstop or second baseman going forward. Not going forward, but after this year when he's settled in more. Yeah, he... um. His, I, I don't know. Just, I, like you said, I think his entire approach is everything that uh, Francona wants out of a player. Um, that's shitty, but I don't know. Um, I have no other thoughts on this other than he could be good. I wish they'd stop <laughs> getting. I wish they'd stop getting tiny little guys who hit the ball um, not hard, but you know, constantly, and kind of figure that middle ground out again. But maybe that's maybe that's their growth pattern. Maybe they're hoping that one of these guys can turn into a second Josh now. And he's not that small either, six foot one ninety. So. He does look small though. He plays. I don't know if that's a thing. Is it? Can you play small? He looks smaller out there than I agree. Most no, I mean, I I gotta, I you, to... you, like, you, you look at him out there. He's like, oh, so what do I got there? He's like a little boy. <laughs> look at a little fellow with the baseball bat. Well, but, but, but no, he's actually a normally sized <laughs> human being. So <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I mean, when he's also hitting along like Nolan Jones and Will Benson and that's the thing. Yeah, the shipment of big galoots we've had the last few weeks. It's just uh, you Freeman sneaking in there behind everybody. You don't even see him until he's next to you. <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it for us this week, I think. A lot of a lot of rookies coming up. There will be more. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. It will be fun. At Cover the Corner, I am Matt Rly. Merritt's at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch with lunch. Obviously, coveringthecorner.com. I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> where we listen to podcasts, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, Merritt, talk to you next week. I'll be there.